You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to this Thursday edition of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Thank God it is Thursday, and we win. We win all the time. Listen, I'm so glad to have you with us. Tag a friend. Let them know we are on. Listen, I'm going to begin a new series today that I am extremely excited about it. I am extremely excited about it. I am going to begin talking about marriage. Marriage is going to to, uh, be our theme uh, for the next uh, few weeks. And I believe that it is going to be a blessing. Listen, I've been married uh, in just a month or so. A month from now, I'll... My wife and I will be married 44 years, so we have experienced some things about marriage, and I've learned some things from God's Word about marriage, and I'm excited about sharing these things with you. Our subject is winning the marriage game. Winning the marriage game. This is lesson one. In any game, you know, I played Little League Baseball and Pony League Baseball, and then I transitioned to basketball, played high school basketball and college basketball. So I love sports, athletics, but I like to win. I want to win. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. It could be checkers. It could be whatever it is. And I don't care how old you are. I want to win. Listen, in any game, knowing what it takes to score and when you are winning is important. And that's what I want to do. I want to help you couples and those of you that may be single, but you're planning on getting married. This is going to be some good stuff for you. Good information for you to prepare yourself for your future spouse. Winning the money game. Now, I want um, you, especially if if you're married, And hopefully both you and your spouse can listen to these lessons. Uh, That's that's where you get the most out of it. But I want you to do some work. I want you, as we're teaching these lessons, I want both of you to think, what can we change in relation to thinking, speaking, and our actions in the relationship. What can we change to make the relationship better? Secondly, I want you to be listening and think, okay, we're doing good in this area. What can we continue to do? We're hitting the ball out the park in this area. What can we continue to do? So we'll be intentional. And then thirdly, what can we add to our marriage? What can we add in terms of our thinking, speaking, actions? What can we add to our marriage? So I want you to be working along with me. I want 
you couples to be asking, what can I change? What can we change? What can we add? What can we continue to do? Okay. In this first lesson, I have subtopics for each lesson. So the subtopic for this lesson is simply the goal of marriage. The goal of marriage. The goal of marriage. My background text is taken from Mark chapter 10, verse verses 6 through 9 in the New Living Translation. And it reads, But God's plan was seen from the beginning of creation, for he made them male and female. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one separate them, for God has joined them together. The goal of marriage. The goal of marriage. So I'm, I'm going to, you know, you ever watched a movie where they showed you the end and then they bagged up and, and began the movie? That's what I'm going to do at the beginning. I'm going to answer the question. What is the goal of marriage? What is the goal of marriage? What is the goal of marriage? Just in the beginning, the answer to the goal of marriage is oneness. The goal of marriage is oneness. The goal of marriage is oneness. So let's define the word oneness. The word oneness means alignment. The word oneness means unity. And then the word oneness means intimacy. Three-word definition of oneness. The goal of you and your spouse being married is oneness. Is oneness is oneness. I'm defining oneness in three words, alignment, unity, and intimacy. What is alignment? Alignment is a state of agreement and cooperation in relations to the to thoughts, life choices, and directions. I'll say that again. Alignment is a state of agreement. That's where you, that what that's what you want in your marriage. You want a state of agreement. That doesn't mean you're going to agree all the time, but you want to enter into a state of agreement in the area of your thoughts, your life choices, and your direction. Thoughts, life choices, directions. Thoughts, life choices, directions, a state of agreement and relations to your thoughts. You may not realize it right now. You may, based on, depending on how long you've been married and how well you're doing in marriage, that you can actually get to a place where you think a lot alike. You really think a lot alike. My wife and I, we think a lot alike. We really do think a lot alike. But it didn't happen overnight. I think you can come to a place or a state of agreement when it comes to your life choices. 
And I also think you can come to a, a state of agreement in the direction that you're both moving in the same direction. There was a time in our marriage when we were not moving in the same direction. So alignment, oneness is alignment, a state of agreement and cooperation, a state of agreement and cooperation in thoughts, life choices, and directions. State of agreement state of cooperation. You're both working toward this. Now, listen at this. The second definition of the word oneness is unity. Unity is an interesting word. It's not something that automatically happens when you get married. You think you in unity until you get married. Now, listen, unity is the act of forming a whole from several separate different parts. That's a good definition. Unity is the act of forming a whole from separate and different parts. I'll say that again. Unity is the act of forming a whole from separate and different parts. Now, think about it. When you come together in marriage, what do we have? We have two different individuals with different personalities from different backgrounds that have different needs and ambitions. I said that again. When you get married, I know we have this fantasy that we're going to fit like a glove. You know, God put us together. We're going to fit like a glove. But that, for the most part, is a fantasy. Unity is the act of forming a whole from separate and different parts. Two individuals are coming together, two different individuals from different backgrounds with different personalities and different needs and ambitions now and you're going to begin to form a whole from these separate different parts different individuals different personalities from different backgrounds with different needs and ambitions And you're going to begin to move now from me, mine, and I to we, us, and our. You're going to begin to move because that's how you enter into the world as a single person. You get married, you bring in me, you bring in mine, and you bring in I. So both of you are bringing me, mine, and I. Unity means you begin to form this me, mine, and I to we, us, and ours. We, us, our. We, us, our. You don't start out we, us, our. You start off me, mine, I. I mean mine. I mean mine. Now, where you headed, And when you're really winning, 
because you need to know when you're winning. In marriage, you're winning when your concept is us, ours, we, us, our, we, us, our, we, we, us, our, we, us, our. Now, we're talking about unity. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, there are three that bear witness and record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Is unity of purpose while retaining individual uniqueness. So you're never going to lose your individual uniqueness but you're going to form, you're going to create a whole from it without losing your individual uniqueness. The third definition of the word oneness, we said it means alignment, it means unity, it means intimacy. Intimacy. Now, that's, that's really a powerful word, intimacy. Intimacy. Oneness means intimacy. Now, what intimacy is not. Intimacy, there is a spiritual union that takes place when you first make your marriage vows on your wedding day. And the Bible says in Malachi 2.14 that God is a witness. That's a spiritual Union, but I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about what happened on your wedding day. And then there's a legal union that takes place when your marriage license paperwork is processed and you become legally united. I'm not talking about that. When I talk about intimacy, I'm not talking about that. And then there's a physical union that takes place whereby you consummate your wedding vows through sexual intercourse on your honeymoon or the day or night that you get married. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. So I'm not talking about your wedding day. I'm not talking about the marriage license being processed. I'm not talking about the first time you have sex. I'm not talking about that. The word intimacy is an English word. The English word for intimacy comes from a Latin word which means inner. 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 Intimacy involves two people opening their inner selves to each other. Two people opening their inner self, inner selves to each other on the deepest possible level. It is a level of vulnerability. It is a level of openness. And that's why your spouse should be your very best friend. Because there is a vulnerability, there's an openness on a level that should not be with any other person. Intimacy. Now, intimacy manifests itself along several areas, and I want to take you quick through these areas. Intimacy. This is, you'll know you're winning when you have intimacy. 
There's emotional intimacy that occurs when you're confident that you can share your feelings to your spouse and you will find a listening ear, an empathetic heart, and a willingness to give support to whatever you need. Now, that, that's a level that you want to get to, emotional in- intimacy, where you can share your heart and you f- have confidence. You are confident that you're going to find a listening ear, an empathetic heart, and you're going to find a willingness from your spouse to meet your emotional needs. You say, well, we're not there yet. I'm not confident yet. Okay, but that's all right. We're going to work toward that. Then there's intellectual intimacy. Intellectual intimacy occurs when you can share your opinions and your values with your spouse without being put down. You're not going to be put down because of your beliefs. Your spouse will respect your values, your beliefs, even though they may not totally agree with them, there's going to be respect. You're free to share your values. You're free. It's a safe space to share your opinions, what you think about issues without being put down. That's intellectual intimacy. Now, relational intimacy is the third phase of intimacy. It's where there's a fondness and a joy with being with each other in small matters or large events. You enjoy being with each other. And I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt, I enjoy being with my wife. In fact, she works a camp in the summer, and I look forward daily to spending time with her. And you know, we say to each other all the time, we can make a date. It doesn't matter whether we're eating lunch in the parking lot or we're on a cruise out of the country. We can make a date. That's relational intimacy when there's a fondness and a joy with being with each other and there's nobody on planet Earth I'd rather be with than be with my wife. Then there's physical intimacy. Physical intimacy, there's a bonding, a release during an orgasm in the sexual experience. And that's why God, uh, that's why God has built fences around sex and he has uh, intentionally placed sex within the framework of marriage because there is a release of hormones that bond you together with your spouse. You're, you're glued together. We call it a soul tie. And much of the time when we talk about soul ties, we talk about it in the framework of bad, negative, evil soul ties. But God created the sexual experience between a husband and a wife to bond them and connect them together, to glue them together, because God intends for a husband and wife to have a soul tie, a physical, sexual soul tie with each other. And there's a bonding that takes place 
and there's a bonding that takes place when you know that's an exclusive relationship that you're not you're not vulnerable you're not open to anyone else on this level that's physical intimacy. Financial intimacy is another level of intimacy. It's being able to work together. You're sharing your thoughts, your feelings, your needs, your desires about money with your partner. It's a safe space. You can talk about money. When you talk about money to each other, you feel hurt. Your spouse talks about it. They li- your, other, your spouse listen. You talk about it. Your spouse listen. And so there's a sharing. This is what I need relation- in relations to money. This is what you need in relations to money. There's a sharing. There's no unilateral decisions. One spouse is not going out spending the money without talking to the other spouse. You are using resources toward mutually agreed goals. My wife and I always get together and decide this is what we're going to do together. So there is an agreement about mutual goals and you're working together and you're accomplishing together things along a financial level. You're on the same page when it comes to money and how you use money, whether you save money and spend money. Now, that's financial intimacy. And then there is finally spiritual intimacy. Spiritual intimacy is when both of you are in a diligent pursuit of growth in Christ and both of you want to fulfill your God-given purpose. Now, spiritual intimacy, when the husband and the wife are both diligently pursuing growth spiritually, diligently uh, pursuing growth in Christ, diligently trying to fulfill God's purpose for their lives, and there is an openness that you have to share along spiritual lines, You can share the things that you are learning, the things that you are experiencing, the things that God is speaking to you, and you can both share those things with each other, and you can also assist each other in their spiritual growth. You can assist. That's spiritual intimacy. When you can both pursue God, you both want to fulfill God's purpose and plan for your life, You both can share freely with one another about spiritual matters, and you both are willing to assist the other in their spiritual growth and development, and your spouse want that assistance. That's spiritual intimacy. Now, oneness is the seat of power. It's It's the purpose. It's it's the goal, but it's the seat of power. In Genesis 11, 1 through 6, the Bible says the people were one. They were one in their communication. They were one in their speech. They were one in their ambition. They were one in their goals. But the project that they were doing was an ungodly project. And God looked down and God said the people are one. And what they have imagined to do, nothing will be restrained from them because they are one. And God came down and confused and confounded their language so they couldn't communicate. We see the power of oneness. When a husband and a wife are one, there's nothing 
that they cannot do together. The Bible says in Psalms 133, it says how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the anointing oil oil that flows down from Aaron's head down to his beard, down to the end of the coat, the priestly coat that he wears. It is an anointing. There's an anointing that's connected to, to oneness. And when a husband and a wife are one, an anointing come on that marriage. It's like the dew of Hermon, the Bible says in 133. There's productivity. And I've noticed that the closer Pete and I, my wife's nickname is Pete, she has a boy nickname, the closer we've gotten together, the more we could accomplish. The more unity we have, the more you're going to accomplish. The more oneness you have, the more you're going to accomplish. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 19, and 20, if two shall agree as touching anything they ask, anything, anything, if two shall agree as touching anything that they ask, the Bible says, there I'm in the midst. Jesus said, I'm going to be in the midst to make it happen if they walk in agreement. Acts 2, 1 through 4 says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, the people were in one accord in one place. You see, you can be in one place and not be in one accord. You can be in one house and not be have oneness. They were in one place in one accord. And in fourth verse, it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They will all feel the power of God hit the place. There is something about oneness. Oneness is the seat of power. It is the goal of marriage. So in our closing, I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about the five pathways to oneness. And then I want to talk about the goal, the spiritual goal of marital oneness the spiritual goal. God has something in mind. So let's talk about the five pathways to oneness. The first pathway to oneness, speaking to both of you spouses, is talking. One-on-one talking. Now, if you have a marriage where you don't talk to each other that much, you're not going to have oneness. You're not going to have it. You're not going to have oneness. Oneness is created through talking. You got to talk to each other one-on-one, one-on-one, not talk at each other, talk to each other one-on-one, one-on-one. You should be talking to each other on a regular basis. You talk to each other on a regular basis. You get to know people that you talk to. And it's amazing how couples, you know, they get their smartphones and they get their computers and they never talk. Or they're watching television and they never talk. You need to turn that television off sometime and talk. You need to talk. You need to talk. If you want oneness, you need to talk. And you don't need noise. You need to talk. You need to look each other in the face. Spend time talking. Talk, talk, talk. The second avenue is thinking, thinking. But it's thinking jointly, not unilaterally. Now, remember, when you come into the marriage, when you come into the marriage, you're coming in with the mindset of me, mine, and I. Me, mine, I. Now, 
You have to begin to rethink because you enter into a different game. You enter into the marriage game. You're not in the single game anymore. So you've entered into a new game. In this game, you have to think, not unilaterally, you have to think we, us, ours. We, us, ours. We is the language of marriage. Us is the language of marriage. Ours is the language of marriage. We, us, ours. And you have to train yourself to be thinking in every arena of life, every arena of life, in terms of your body, how you manage your body. It's not just you. It's not just about you. It's about your spouse. How you manage your time is not just about how you want to use your time. It's about we, us, ours. Your energy level is not just about you. You can't give all your energy to other folk. You can't give all your energy to your kids. You can't give all your energy to your work. It's about we, us, our. When it comes to money, we, us, our. It's not just what you want to do. Well, I want to do this. I want to do this. I don't like this. I don't like that. No, 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 no. That's the, that's the old life. That's the single life. That's the single life. We, us, our. We, us, our, when it comes to money, when it comes to my words. I can't just say what I want to say. How I want to say it, just, just, just curse and do stuff because that other person is going to be affected by my words. We, us, ours, every arena of life, friendships. Well, I got my friends. I got my friends. I don't care what he think. I don't care what she think. Yeah, you need to think. You need to think. You need to think about what the other person said. I just want to be with my friends. I mean, I just want to be, yeah, there's nothing wrong with having friends. My wife has friends. I have friends. Nothing wrong with being with your friends. But you can't just think about your friends now. You got to be thinking about we, us, and our. You got to be thinking about we, us, and our. Possessions. We, us, our. We. We. It's we possessions, it's us possessions, it's our possessions. I know some of that is not good English, but possessions, decisions. Not just, you can't just go out and make decisions without your spouse involved in it, major decision, because they're going to affect your spouse. We, us, our. So you got to think, talking, thinking jointly, not unilaterally, thinking. Talking, thinking. There's a third avenue that most people don't realize, and that's touching. That's affection. That's non-sexual touching. It's a scientific studies have proved, scientific studies have proven that the more couples touch, the more connected they feel. Touching is very important in a marriage. 
whether it's a hug, whether it's an embrace, whether it's a pat, touching, 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 touching. Number four, togetherness. Togetherness, shared activities. Shared activities. Some of this stuff is not uh, rocket science. My wife and I spent a lot of time together. We spent a lot of time together. If you're married, you should spend a lot of time with your spouse. Not a little time. You should spend a lot of time. Now, we know you got to work eight hours work or whatever. But apart from you, you got to spend a lot of time with your spouse. Talking, thinking, touching, togetherness. And finally, time. Time. Time is a process. Time to move these, to move from a a different personality, a different uh, individual, different needs, different ambitions, different backgrounds. It's going to take some time, but you know you're winning when you're moving from. Me, mine, and I over to we, us, and ours. You know you, you're winning. Now, it's not going to be overnight. And all these different levels of, uh, you may have been listening to that. So, well, no, you know, we're not there in that. We're not there in our emotional end. We're not there in intellectual. We're not there in relational end. We're not there in physical. We're not there. It's all right. It's all right that you're not there. But you, you have to see that that's the goal. Your goal is oneness. Now, God has a spiritual goal, and I'll share this with you as I close. There's a spiritual goal that God has for oneness. Ephesians 5, 31 and 32 in the New King James Version. Ephesians 5, 31, 32. It says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Now listen at this. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Now, here's God's, our Father, spiritual goal for oneness. God intends the oneness in marriage to be a picture of Jesus' relationship to the church and a witness to the unsaved. Now, did you hear that? If you get that, you'll understand how we relate to each other is important because God intends for your marriage to be a picture of Jesus' relationship to the church. He intends for our marriage to be a picture of Jesus' relationship to the church, and he intends for our marriage to be a witness to the unsaved. When the unsaved see our marriage, they should want to get married. They should want a marriage like ours. God intends for our marriage to be a witness to the unsaved. Wow. Wow. 
that's powerful. A picture of Jesus' relationship to the church and a witness to the unsaved. This is how you relate to one another. The unsaved should look at us and see how people, God intends for people to relate to one another. Wow, that's powerful. I pray that you got something out of this. Listen, this is going to be a powerful series. It's almost in the neighborhood of eight lessons. So each lesson, now remember, you want to be asking the question, what should we change? What should we continue? And what should we add to our marriage? Listen, I trust you were blessed today. We got a ways to go. But remember, the goal of marriage is oneness. Love you. Look forward to seeing you next time. Mm-hmm.